You've scanned the headlines, you've read the articles and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by AllWork.Space. Today, we welcome Aaron McDonald, a visionary leader with over two decades of expertise in lighting design and construction. As CEO of Lighting Environments, Elevated and Environments, Aaron pioneers IoT integration in workplace management, driving digital transformation through the Elevated app. A 2022 Bizno Innovator of the Year in commercial real estate, Aaron is a recognized female leader shaping DC's real estate landscape. Join us as we explore her innovative approach, creating expertly designed, connected, and flexible spaces for today's workforce. Aaron, welcome to the Future Work Podcast. Really excited to have you here today. Learn about Elevated, mostly. Learn about what got you involved from the real estate side to the Internet of Things side and how you've mixed the two of them together. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hi, Frank. It's nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, I, my name is Aaron McDonald. I'm the CEO of Elevated. Um, a little bit about myself. I started as an interior designer about uh, 23 years ago in the industry and uh, uh, went into lighting not long after I got up out of college um, and became a lighting re manufacturer's representative for uh, you know the last 20 years. Um, lighting changed somewhere in the early uh, 2000s when in the inception of leds it became electronic and when we learned how to talk to things and get them to talk back to us um, i realized that pretty quickly if you can talk to a light you can pretty much talk to anything um, so we started to get a little curious and see if we could kind of expand and uh, the pandemic hit uh, and uh, that's uh, that's kind of how it all started. Well, you know, it's it's funny when you talk about lighting. The mix of, I mean, I go back to the days, as you can tell by the gray hair, of nothing worse than, you know, solid ceilings of blue fluorescent uh, four foot tubes and things of that nature, and it was awful. And then we started warming those up a little bit. Then we went to two by twos and now we do everything in a whole different format. And we are blending, uh, lighting becomes a well-being issue, a health issue. In fact, in some countries, as you're probably aware, um, Scandinavian countries, uh, uh, in particular, uh, natural lighting has to be mixed in in a per certain percentage, uh, which is tough on a five and a half hour day in Norway. A sunlight day um, uh, with artificial lighting, uh, or you're not in compliance with the law. You're not providing a good wellness environment. Uh, so, lighting uh, and sound both are two elements that uh, are critical uh, as as we go forward. And how did why did why did you pick lighting versus sound or um, lighting versus design that brought in nature? Uh, how did how do you blend those things together? Um, you, how did I pick lighting versus sound? Um, what do you mean by that? Well, so, so, sound and background noises are as important to our well-being uh, and to our focus and concentration uh, at a desk as lighting is. Yeah, uh, some would actually say equal or more. Um, uh, we get used to the lighting, but we are constantly disrupted by sound. Um, uh, of course, if you have a flickering light, nothing's worse. 
Uh, nothing is worse. You, I saw you just shudder. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, how, how, how do you settle on lighting and do you, how do you use that as a focal point to get everything else working around it? Well, I think it's because it's, you know, the main part of the electrical grid. It starts with lighting. Um, okay. It's the backbone. It can be the backbone or the, the bridge to the, all of the IoT devices. Um, so I think that that's where maybe it started. I didn't even think about sound until I heard a podcast once that said something about the, the, the health of the rainforest is measured in, in sound now, um, in decibels. And I thought, oh, that was inspiring to me. And, and that's when sound came into my realm of, uh, thinking and, and, and in that it was like, well, it can't just be sound. What are all the other things that we're not thinking about about in our, our environments that that can be considered here? When I, we got into light, when we were lighting people getting into IoT, uh, I think we were only three months in, and I said to my partner, "I'm like, oh, this is this is much bigger. This is huge. Mm -hmm. This is much bigger than lighting, and it's hard for lighting people to understand that." Um, but it serves a real purpose. And I think we're kind of well, you figuring know, it out. When you say Internet of Things, that's such, yeah. I mean, the bandwidth is immeasurable. It's so broad. Um, uh, how do you focus it down? What does lighting connect to in your view in the perfect office environment that's created? And what, do, what does it connect to? And how does it, how does this Internet of Things function in a manner, in a manner that enhances the workplace for everyone, not just for the engineers or not just for the people that have to maintain the HVAC or things of that, but for the well-being of the office itself. Yeah, well, we're at the very beginning stages of learning that in the sense that we have enough data, like three years worth of data now to really understand what happens when people are in a space and how they affect the space. Um, and so that was really interesting. Um, I guess my inspiration was um, the idea that employees weren't coming back to work. And I had to figure out how to get them back to work. And I started looking at the data that we were collecting on our IoT system and asking a lot of questions about, you know, why everybody went home in 2020 and why haven't we really fixed the problem yet, but we're asking them all to come back. Um, and uh, maybe the resistance might be in that. So um, I started looking at the IoT data and I'm, you know, learning about how um, you know, when you put this, we, we put our sensors in the lights um, and they measure sound and that we have a, we have uh, air quality sensors and you have other sensors that can kind of be attached to the lighting system so that you still have a clean architectural space without 7000 sensors all over. Are, the are, are you are you able to um, uh, sense uh, occupancy? Let's say it's open workspace to say, well. Sally's in this cube or at this desk and George is at this other desk. You're able to sense occupancy, get time of occupancy and through the energy levels, workforce energy. Yes. I've, I, I think it's better to measure people and the things going on in your space rather than 
the space itself. And I think that IoT has kind of gotten it wrong um, and building, you know, building IoT has gotten it wrong in the, in the, in the sense that um, I think if you move to Mars and you're going to monitor your, the space or the health of your habitat on Mars, because if you walk outside, you would be dead. And we don't think about how we should monitor our own spaces here on Earth because we're, you know, we were born here, but we should really be looking at these things that are affecting people. And our data that we found, and it's and the data I'm talking about are things that we found specific to my office and what's going on with my company. Um, but we we found that you know collaboration dies when CO2 levels hit 600 parts per million. Um, and that's really, and we found that out because we are, we're trying to understand decibels. Um, we're, we're tying in our back end product productivity data to it. And we understand that we're asking people to come in and collaborate, but they don't have an environment that keeps them healthy enough to collaborate in a, in a, in a meaningful way. Well, you know, we, for decades, uh, we've heard of smart buildings, yeah. but they were smart from the building owner's perspective in that they help the building owner operate the building more efficiently from a cost point of view first. Mm -hmm. um, uh, from an occupancy point of view, they help manage airflow, things of that nature to an optimization, or they thought to an optimization. But to your oxygen and collaboration issue, uh, if you want any proof of that, any proof of that at all, go into a Vegas casino at 10 o'clock. They start pumping oxygen. <clears throat> okay. I mean, that it's like, well, they proved it. You know, let's go talk to Steve Wynn. He's figured it out. Um, uh, uh, nice guy, by the way. Uh, uh, and uh, so you can, uh, you, you know these things, but we don't pay attention to them oftentimes in the workplace. And... A lot of times, it's nobody's fault. Mm -hmm. um, the building does the best job it can and offers to space, and it has to make a profit to be sustainable, or you don't have an office. Mm -hmm. uh, the occupier moves into the building thinking everything is going to be good, brings their team in, and they don't have a way of measuring these things um, to understand. And even if they do, what can the building do about it? Let's 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 say I take a floor of space in a building that's a that's eh, a ten year old building, your average mid rise, high rise building anywhere. Um, no, let's say it's in a central business district, so it's in a relatively polluted environment. Okay, and I, as an occupier, I install all your stuff, and then I go to the building and I say, "Hey, fix this." What can they really do? Can they do something? Or is it just awareness and then I know not to renew my lease and move out? I guess that's a good question. Uh, for, for From our perspective, we're asking for outside air. Um, but I, I I think that, you know, I, I, it depends on the building and the architecture and the, the, the circumstance that you're in um, and who you're dealing with. There's so many factors that go along into to okay. that venue. If that's the case, if that's the case, and I agree that it probably would be, Mm -hmm. We started in going into older buildings that are institutionally owned mm -hmm. that haven't done any air handling upgrades for decades. Um, <clears throat> um, 
what checklist, what checklist, I'm an occupier, I'm going to go take a floor of space and put 100 people into this floor. Um, when I go out to find space, when I go out to seek new space, what checklist do I need? Is there a checklist that says, aha, I need a building with that meets this criteria. Mm -hmm. And will that criteria allow me to still get space at a market rate? Or will I have to pay double? And I can't afford to pay double, so I'll sacrifice my team for the economy of what I can get the space for because I have to be in a certain city. I mean, this, this is all things, all battles that have to be fought in order to recognize the outcome that we want for everybody, which is increased wellness. Now, your purpose is not lighting. Your purpose is increased wellness. It is. Okay, so you're not a lighting company. You're a wellness enhancement company uh, overall. Yeah. But we need a path to right. accomplish that where we, we have all the parties involved in it, not just the monitoring party. Mm -hmm. We accomplish that. I saw an Instagram reel yesterday, um, and it was a Gen Z walking through. Uh, you right there, and I'll say, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to understand the mindset, you know, and get it, get in it. But they were talking about the amenity spaces and a lot of the buildings that are that are going unused. And I think to myself, we're spending money in the wrong places. Um, we're 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 trying to, you know, compete in a way um, by giving these amenities that aren't sustainable. Um, when I always go back to the the, the age old idea that the biggest form of, form of flattery is mimicry when it comes to going to the human being and saying you're, you're cared for and your health is cared for. Um, it, it seems like a much more sustainable option. I think that tenants should be asking for smart buildings. Um, I think that the ability to scale and be agile companies um, uh, is greater with an IoT infrastructure in place. Um, I think that they get developers and tenants can grow together. I, I would I would think you're right. Uh, it's funny. Uh, this goes back into the, I guess, the mid 80s that we used to see this oftentimes. I know I'm really dating myself there, but um, we used to see buildings go up and they would advertise that they had a gym in the building. Hey, we have a gym. We have a work. You can work out in this building. And then we'd go in and look at the building because we were seeking buildings that had good amenities. Uh, we'd look, look at the, say, hey, I got a good gym. They'd show us a gym and everything. No showers. You go, wait a second. You just took empty office space and put some bikes in it. You didn't build a gym. Yeah. So a lot of times the amenities are marketing purpose entities only they really don't care whether it's used or not mm -hmm. they don't care it just helps you make the decision to take the space in the first place and that's the the the, the thing it's much easier okay let, let's go like this uh, I'll, I'll take myself as an example if somebody says hey frank uh, let's go out at the lunch and uh, take a run have a run we'll be in better shape afterwards or versus, hey, Frank, I got this really great restaurant in town. Do you want to go to lunch? I know. I'm going to go to the restaurant. I'm going to take the easy, fun, instant gratification choice. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's attached to it. So how do we get people, building owners, no, institutional investors that invest in buildings with developers that build the buildings to can focus on these things, to convince the employer to and convince the employee that all this extra effort actually means something to them overall. What metrics are out there that says, if you're in a smart building that meets the well standards, you will live three years longer if you're there for 10 years. Where's the, the metrics that, that give me the, the data that says, I have to spend this extra money. If I do, I'll find people that value it because they, it's been proven that these things, benefits actually occur. That's, and, and we have to get that all the way up to the institutional investor level. Uh, ultimately, yeah. I mean, ultimately, to make this thing, the whole bandwidth uh, the, uh, has to be involved. Well, I think there's layers of savings on IoT uh, in every level, right? So you can save on, on energy, but right. then you can also take your data all the way down to the end user. So we know that when our CO2 levels are in check and our decibels are around... Um, I guess it's 50 to 60 decibels, uh, somewhere around there. That's what there's the, our office buzz um, that our close rates go up. Um, we have energy in the, in, in the office and, and people are, are collaborating. I think if your developer, if the developer said, listen, um, I, I'm, this is an interesting time for all businesses right now and I'm gonna partner with you. I'm gonna provide you with an IoT infrastructure and we're gonna figure out how to teach you how to take advantage of it and the data that you're going to get to move your business forward. I think that uh, the amenity space is the instant gratification, the need for that can probably go away. Uh, and the marketing and branding that goes around having a building that's actually healthy. Um, would, would would increase employee retention. Um, but as far as the data is concerned that, you know, will I live 10 years longer if I'm not exposed to unhealthy CO2 levels or, um, or you know, I, I, I don't think we're there yet. It hasn't been long enough um, or I haven't, myself, haven't deep dived into all the data for that. Uh, the data probably is there, but not consolidated there for this person. There's probably medical data. There, you know, a massive study could be done. But I'm going to use, use an interesting, maybe an interesting example, a well-known example. Uh, the One of the biggest crusaders for back to the office is Morgan Stanley's Jamie Dimon. Okay, Jamie Dimon. Well, we can't do this. We can't do that. You got to get back. Got to get back. I'm going to fire everybody if they don't get back. On and on and on and on and on. Uh, does Morgan Stanley, to your specific point, in Morgan Stanley's offices, they have a massive number of employees which are in the sales, security sales, investment banking, uh, uh, financial services, et cetera, that are closers. Mm -hmm. To your point, are is their office, and you wouldn't know about their specific offices, I'm sure, but how do you make a pitch to the CEO of 
that his business is going to run, that he's going to sell more securities mm-hmm. because of the instrumentation that can be installed that will change the energy level or the long-term productivity level or the fatigue level, which is really what you're doing. You're reducing fatigue. You're not increasing energy. You're reducing fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how do you do that and make that a motivation to where Jamie, instead of saying, you got to get back or I'm going to fire you, says, you know, if you come back, we're in this magic environment. I know our sales are going to go up by 10%. Um, I can afford to pay more. Is, is that part of a process that's it's doable or do we just have to keep bumbling along and hoping uh, as we go forward? No, I think it's doable. I mean, I think it, it all started with JLL's 330, 300, 3000. Yeah. Uh, and the 3000 I, I, was something I'm like, okay, I don't see it. Let me break it down. Uh, let's take my data uh, that we've been, because the, the problem I'm trying to solve, I, one of the problems I was trying to solve is IoT is great for a Fortune 500 company, but if for a mid-market company, is it good? It, can you get the return on your investment? Um, and how? And if JLL's theory is right, that $3,000 per, if I think it's per employee, you know, yeah. in the building, um, you, you could get insights back uh, based on IoT data if if parsed correctly. Um, I, 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 took the chance and to see and ask the questions to see if I could do it because I was trying to solve the problem of a hybrid workplace that was pretty siloed. Um, and I needed to kind of garner collaboration. So when we started looking at the data points, I was like, okay, who sits next to who and can we manipulate that when they come in and who is coming in to be in the office with who? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, ha- what happens when collaboration stops? It's interesting. I don't know why, but the decibels go up, 600 parts per million hits, and then everybody stops talking. It's so interesting, and it's every single time. Um, and, you know, or I was trying to solve the problem of sick days. Um, we have so, I, I don't want COVID outbreaks or any flu outbreaks for that matter here. It, it's, uh, we, we have a big space, we have room to breathe. It shouldn't happen. But anytime our TVOCs were over a certain threshold, I think it was 500 parts per billion. And then, um, uh, will, will, will you explain CVOCs? Yeah, yeah. Total volatile organic compounds. Okay. Um, I never would have guessed. It's the jump in the air, right? <laughs> and then, and then, and then elevated CO two levels. Um, it was those moments when those thresholds peaked, when we had outbreaks. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Of what is it about that when we're all gathering? It's because we're not opening our doors and we're not letting fresh air in, and we're not. And even when you increase the air turns on your HVAC your CO2 still stays until you get fresh air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, you're circulating dirty air at that point. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and, and to see that on my own was kind of jarring. Cause I think, you know, the outside air is somewhere around uh, CO2 levels are somewhere around 
two to 300 parts per billion at times in places. And at 600 parts per billion, humans stop collaborating. Uh, and you can sit in a room for 90 minutes and get the CO2 levels up to, to 600 parts per billion. Uh, it doesn't take long to kill collaboration. What does that mean for humankind? I think we need to build buildings a little bit differently. I think we need to have a little bit compassion for the end user uh, in the spaces. Um, I think that compassion uh, can translate into investment in humans, therefore translate into a better performing piece of real estate. Um, well, the um, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think, I, you know, the productivity output that, that we all want to accomplish, everything we want to accomplish, you, me, everybody that works with us, for us, around us, we want that productivity. Um, it, it gives us uh, not just a security and economic impact, but it gives us an, a, an emotional impact. You know, we feel good about it when we're productive. We feel good about ourselves. That makes us generally want more because um, uh, we like that almost endorphin feeling of accomplishing things. Um, but I, I go back to the challenge um, of if I take a floor in a 50-floor building, what can I do about it? How, 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 unless I've got that checklist and unless the building is motivated, as an occupier, there's not much I can do about getting the enhanced, getting increased fresh air into my particular space because the system, whatever it is itself, only has so much fresh air intake capacity for the whole building and my space really in that regard can't be differentiated. Mm -hmm. So how do I, and let's take New York, you know, how, if I'm in any one of the major buildings in, in Manhattan, how do I accomplish this? How does Jamie Dimon accomplish this down in the financial center where JP Morgan is located? Keep your meetings to less than 90 minutes. That's the first one. Uh, when you gather. Meeting in enclosed space, like in an enclosed conference room, less than 90 minutes. Well, I would say if you if you don't have, <laughs> you have meetings and you're already screwed up operationally, but but you, okay, that's a that's good. Life. So you can create guidelines mm -hmm. um, uh, and a checklist. A check, if, if I'm going to go take new space, you can give me a checklist that says uh, the, these seven things you have to have in order to accomplish the minimum standard. Right. Then within your own space, there's these other five things that you need to do mm -hmm. to accomplish that standard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does those checklists exist? Do you have that? Uh, we're writing them. Will you make me a commitment then? Of course. When you have those, yeah. when you have those, will you write an article in all work that we can share that with our millions of readers? I would love to. Okay. Okay. I'm not shilling here. I'm just saying yeah. I've never seen this and I've been around commercial real estate for four and a half decades and I've never seen the wellness standard for the occupier as opposed to the wellness standard in on a generic base for the building. Mm -hmm. And I know that one impacts the other, but I've never seen it broken down to the workstation occupier level. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know, there, there are certain things you start from the top down and, and there's certain things that really need to be addressed from the bottom up. 
And I think if we look at the individual and build this from the bottom up, we will ultimately have more success and we can make it an economic demand standard. Right now it's cutting edge stuff. Right. But, you know, the cutting edge is always a little bloody. That's why they call it the cutting edge. Um, but if we can make it a demand edge issue to where if I'm looking at three buildings and I go to each of them and say, do you have this? Building number one says no. And I say, well, I can't take space in your building then. I go to building number two and they say, no, but we'll put it in for you. I say, well, I can consider you. Then I go to building number three and they say, yes, let me show you how it works and you can see if this meets your requirements. Mm -hmm. I'm really not going to talk to those other two buildings. I might talk to the one who says they'll put it in for might. But if I have a need, I'm going to go to the one that says, yes, I have this. Let me show you. Um, that's a demand because I'm, I'm not taking the other space. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, nope, I'm not going to buy your stuff. You don't have this. You know, and we, we, we have to elevate wellness inside of buildings at the individual level to a demand standard where most smart building standards are around, hey, are buildings more efficient? We have, we use less power, we use less this, we use less that. Therefore, it operates more efficiently. Therefore, your rent is going to be lower. Right. But it doesn't say your people are going to be healthier and you're going to be more productively in that space. That's correct. Uh, and so that's the crossover that we really need here, I think. Yeah, I think we just really need to kind of look at it like a beehive, if you will. Like how healthy is the hive? Um, inside. It's interesting, like, I think, I think about, uh, you know, from the developer perspective um, and the investor perspective, you want to know um, what your retention rates are going to be. Um, and, and, and you can easily predict if you know that people aren't inhabiting the space and there's no energy inside that's happening. You can really understand how that business might be doing. Um, and there are things you can do to intervene. Um, like offer remodels or, you know, thing, other things that, you know, we can do based on the insights that we get from these IoT systems. So, right, well, it doesn't need, go ahead. Uh, um, this is a massive educational issue. Yeah. Massive educational issue. I'm not capable of, of leading this charge. Uh, I would venture that while you're at, at the, the, the point of the spear and the thinking on it, um, that um, you can't change the way about a, a, a $7 trillion industry runs uh, overnight. Can, can lead the charge, but can't change it overnight. Are there educational institutions that are blending wellness into their architectural studies courses, uh, into the the training of engineers um, that deal with the human aspect rather than the space efficiency. Um, and is that a place to start uh, to, with the, ma the major engineering and architectural schools that can teach the next generation of building designers of how to accomplish this wellness standard, not from the building's point of view, but from the occupier's point of view. Is that is that something that you've seen anywhere? 
Um, not a lot, although I just did get invited to talk uh, at a few just recently. So it's just starting to happen. Um, uh, that's interesting. It, that's a really good point, Frank, because I think that would be a great place to really start and um, to kind of I, I also think that I, I the thing that keeps ringing in my head when you talk is this this idea of a more feminine economy. Um, where you're kind of at, where, where it's about investing in people um, and having a, a, a more softer approach. It's, I always wondered uh, why people would say one and one makes three, because it never really did. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't even make any sense. But it does when you invest in people. Um, it does in branding and in brand ambassadors and in retention and loyalty and things like that. So I think it does make one and one does make three when you invest in people. But if you're if you're just if you're not investing in them and you're just paying them to do your employees to do a job and and you you don't take the time to understand why they don't want to come back. Well, I think we need to go from putting ping pong tables in uh Yes. Uh, things, uh, uh, pool tables in uh, venture-driven technology companies and focus on the real wellness issues overall. I do believe that companies invest in people. Um, but are they making the right investments? Yeah. I We're think it's more of that issue. I, I know we, we invest in, in our teams and our, our staff and, and education and and, and benefits, opportunities, a uh, tremendous amount, uh, uh, hopefully uh, at, at the highest standard possible. But I also know that we're in a variety of office buildings, and I couldn't tell you one way or the other what, what the standards are. I, I just couldn't. Some of them are large, high-rise buildings where we have a, a lot of people, 80, 100 people at a time, and some of them are small buildings where we have five people. And I can guarantee you there's no standard in the smaller buildings at all. So do you do this from a big building down? And we're running out of time here, but one more question. From a big building down, where do you find the density to impact? And the, if this level of wellness is a production standard and a health standard that will attract and allow people to be more productive and happier and, and healthier, Where's the greatest density of people that you can impact the most quickly where this standard could be applied so as to become an effective model for everybody else to say, hey, I want that. I want that for my people or for, I mean, when it comes down to it, we talk about taking space and having a checklist. What if I'm an employee? Okay, and I said, well, I'd, I'd like to come to work for you, but uh, tell me about this, this, and this. I guarantee you no HR manager can answer it. Right. No HR manager on the planet can answer that question from an employee. Are you going to support me in this way, in this way, in this way? Oh, no, but we'll give you a raise. Um, how, do, how, do we, how do we get this going? Well, I think culture in the workplace has shifted, right, since, you know, pre-COVID. And, and we but give you an example of how our IoT system played into that. I, I saw that people were coming in to use the gym because we had a trainer for our employees. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
this was before we had forced everyone to come back uh, for a certain amount of time per week. And, um, and I'm like, okay, so they're using the gym. We're still siloed. We're not talking to each other interdepartmentally, but they're coming in to use the gym. Well, this is not like, this is not the intent of what we were offering. So it's like, okay, so we're going to have to scrap culture, start over and rebuild from the ground up with a hybrid workforce that, that works a little bit better for us. Um, so it is, it, I, I think that the highest concentration of, of people is in the middle. Um, uh, it's, it's that mid market sector that needs to be able to get a return on their investment on IOT. Um, systems and also they need to know that it's accessible to for them um, from a pricing standpoint it's not too expensive and it will give you a return on your investment within the first year okay so, if that's the case i'm going to challenge you if i can mm-hmm. uh, to write that article give us that checklist and i'll tell you when you say it's in the middle you hit a chord with me in the middle of the hybrid office issue process is the co-working business center flexible workspace industry. Mm-hmm. That is the, in the middle. That is the fastest growing sector of commercial uh, space use globally uh, as a percentage uh, of growth. Uh, it, tons of things happening there. The individual generally makes the decision on space A or B. It's not a corporate decision at a high level or this or that. It's usually the individual occupier. Give me a list that we can distribute globally of the things that will, the individual should be looking for, and then we'll help create that demand curve instead of the bloody edge um, uh, for that middle market, because this is very important uh, health well-being, productivity, happiness, all those things, you know, we take for granted as external things, but they really do start with your environment. And if we can infect the environment where people spend six, eight, ten hours a day, a third of their life, um, then we can uh, make some pretty interesting progress. I agree. I couldn't agree more, Frank. So you up for that? I'm up for it. I'm Okay, okay. okay then everybody... <clears throat> Next uh, Monday, this will no. Uh, we'll work on this and see if we can bring this forth. I think this is a a, a great opportunity. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Aaron. Really looking forward to continuing to work with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Frank. Bye bye. Bye. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by All Work Dot Space. <laughs>